Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. First and foremost, I want to say welcome to all the moms in the house today. You know, I know that there's some moms that are here that, that maybe you don't attend here. Maybe you're not a member, but your son or daughter attends here, and, and, and they said, Mom, come to church with me today. Maybe you're, maybe you're not attending your own church to come and be with them, and thank you for that. Because you may not ever really truly understand just how meaningful that is that you come and be with them at their church. And so I want to say this to you today before I dive into my message for you. If you are new in the house this morning and you're here attending with a son or a daughter or a grandchild, I want you to understand that this church is, is just simply a church that believes and lives fully the Word of God. That's it. Your son or your daughter or your grandchild are attending a church and are part of a great family of God that just simply loves God and loves His Word. Now, you saw a lot today already in the way, and some of you may be used to this, and some of you might say, wow, this is a lot different than what I'm used to. I understand that. And we make no bones about anybody's way of worship and the way that they do things, but what I want to tell you today is everything you saw today is straight out of the Word of God. See, God tells us in Scripture to lift up our hands in worship. God tells us in Scripture to lift up our voice. He literally says, if my people will not praise me, the rocks will cry out. So we're just not afraid to express how much we love God and how much we love his word. But, but in the greater picture, the greater picture is this. Each and every one of us has had that experience with God, that deeper experience knowing that we've been taken out of something, we've been brought out of something, we've been saved from something, are so appreciative. We worship our God so much, we're just not afraid to stand here and lift up our voices and worship him and love him. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's not necessarily like traditional Christianity maybe that you're used to in this country, and that's okay. Everybody's at a different place. We're all learning what God's got for us in our life. So I'm not excusing the way that we worship and we love. I'm just extolling the virtue and just sharing with you why. I want you to understand for that person that you're sitting next to that's so glad that you're here today. So moms, we honor you. We're so thankful for you. We really are. So I also recognize this, that of all the ladies in the room, not all of you are moms. And so I think it's always important, and I've learned this from my pastor to be very sensitive to this idea because I think it, it does not negate the honor for you in any way, shape, or form. And you'll understand that as I get further into my message. You'll understand that the fact that, that you're a woman and you don't have children does not negate any of the honor due to you. Okay? I know that in the room that there are some not yet moms some young ladies and some, some, some that strive and want to. There's something that God built within you, I understand. Many of you, it's not everybody, not 100%. It's not always present, but in the, in the majority, there's something built into the DNA of the, of the female that strives and drives and really desires to have that baby. 
And so I know the not yet moms are thinking about that and someday to find that certain someone and get together and, of course, start the family, and it's a glorious time. But I also know that there's some can't-be moms. For whatever reason there is, there's some can't-be moms, and it's just not going to happen that way. And maybe you're seeking adoption, maybe you're looking at other ways, maybe you're fostering, maybe a a family member or something like that. And so the can't-be moms didn't make that choice, but perhaps that desire, that drive, and that strive is still there. I want you to understand can't-be moms. The fact that you can't be does not negate the honor and the power and the glory that the Bible gives you and the honor that we extend today, okay? So can't be moms, the Bible has a different role for you as well, and I'll share it with you in Scripture. It's specifically listed in Scripture. There are some ladies in here this morning and, and, and guys that have lost their moms. And so sometimes today is a really, really hard day for you because mom's gone. And this is just a refresher and a reminder that mom's not here with us anymore. And for you, I extend my heart and let you know that I I think about you and that we bless you. And again, today does not negate the honor due to you as well. And then there's the no longer moms, probably the toughest one on my list. And I don't know if there is, but there may be a mom here who once was a mom but is not a mom any longer. The child that you have is gone. And there's a pain here. I know there's even people that won't come to church on Mother's Day because it just brings that pain. It brings that remembrance. And if you're a mom in the house today, if you were so courageous as to say, I can bear this pain, I can bear this memory, and I'm going to come and worship and honor God anyway, then I extend you a double level of honor today. That you are no longer a mom does not negate the honor and the love that we extend to you this morning. Amen? Okay. All right. And then last, I think I detected, and I threw it, I brought a positive back in just so it doesn't get too sullen in here. This is a day for celebration. The last one that I've seen quite a few walking around here is the grandmoms. And oh, there's a special blessing for you today. See, grandmoms, in my view, are really just moms with a lot of flair. They're the moms that get to have all the fun, do a little bit of the spoiling, do a little what, what their, real mom, or their actual mom says, now mom, don't do that. He, need, he doesn't need that. Don't give him that candy. And you slip it to him anyway because you're grandma and you're going to do it. So I have a special honor today for our grandmoms. So um, in terms of the role of the grandmoms, I'd like to turn you to Psalm chapter 113. It's not the grandmom, excuse me. The no longer moms or the can't be moms. Psalm 113 and verse 9. You can turn there. Thank you for honoring the word of God. It's a very short scripture, so you won't be standing very long. But I just wanted to show you, I wanted to give you an insight. You know why we talk about the Word of God and we love the Word of God and we talk about how everything we do follows the Word of God? It's for scriptures just like I'm about to read. Psalm 113 and 9 says, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. You can be seated. Now what does that mean? We just talked about the can't be moms and the not yet moms and the lost moms. 
And essentially what God is saying is that there's a greater role. There's a higher level. There's, there, it's, it, it goes beyond the great joy of obviously being able to have that child, to conceive that child, and deliver that child, hold it in your hands, hold it in your arms, and love it, and and tend to it, and all those things. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I've had the great pleasure for 27 years, well, 25 years, of watching my wife do exactly that with our five children. And and I understand the power that's there. What I want to talk to you today about is there's a greater role And that's why I said all I said about the moms that aren't necessarily moms for one reason or another. See, even in the Bible says that if you're barren, you're still going to be the mother of children. How about that? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered? So God is giving us an insight into a concept and an idea that he has that transcends, to use a word we heard earlier today, that transcends just the mere function and the role of finding a mate, becoming married, having a child, and being a mom. As powerful and amazing and incredible as that role is, and we're going to talk about a few examples in Scripture shortly, but there's just a little bit more. And so I want to plant a seed with you right now and hang on to that thought because there's a different role. And when you leave here today, I believe that you're going to be excited I believe that you're going to be empowered and invigorated, and hopefully you're going to say, wow, I never heard that before, because I want it to stick with you and take on that identity. A lot of times at this time of the year, we talk in Scripture about the great moms of the Bible. We we extol those virtues. As a matter of fact, the title of my message today isn't the moms of the Bible, it's a mom like you. But when we talk about those those great moms of the Bible. There's excellent examples. As a matter of fact, if you were here for Sunday school this morning, thank you, Pastor Rob, for a wonderful lesson talking about some of the great women of the Bible. Excellent. And, and uh, um, so I'm going to repeat a little bit if you're okay with that, partner. Uh, but it was wonderful, and, and it really, really nails it home. I won't go into as much depth as he did because I've got a different point to go to, but it really complimented. The first mother that I really have studied a lot in Scripture is Rebecca. Rebecca is the wife of Isaac, okay? Now, we won't have to go into all the lineage details, and, and I would encourage you to study that. Uh, uh, and if, you, if you're looking for a good Bible study, let me know. We've got some great teachers in here, and we'll get de- you can get in-depth and all that. But Rebecca was the wife of Isaac. She was the mother of Jacob and Esau. And I think everybody in here can probably say they've heard those names, Jacob and Esau. And so Rebecca, the mother and the wife that she was, was so in tune to God, and God used her in an amazing way because, you see, Jacob... Eventually, his name was changed to Israel. He became the father of God's holy nation. But it only happened through the power of a praying mother who was so in tune to God's will that she was willing to thwart a plan or or thwart a concept in Scripture, a, 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 a cultural policy that was supposed to be followed by law, and simply that is this. Esau, they were twins. They were born the same day. But see, Esau was the one that popped out first. And so he was technically the firstborn. And so he was due the religious right and the right of passage and the honor and the blessing of Isaac to then continue to lead the family. But see, if you know in Scripture and you understand, moms understand that their children have different personalities. Can I get an amen? Anybody have more than one child? Say everyone's exactly the same. So this character Esau, he was, 
he was kind of a rough and tumble guy and he was a man of his flesh and if you remember the story he was out, he was a hunter and he was rough and hairy and he was beastly and Jacob was kind of a gardener guy and he was more genteel and more, more intelligent and reserved but see, God, God spoke to Rebecca. She understood that Jacob was to be the father of his holy nation. Literally, the reason there's a nation on planet Earth right now called Israel is because of this dude named Jacob. And so she went through a plot and a plan with Jacob as Isaac was passing away. He was dying very quickly, and so he, was, he lost his eyesight. He was very weak, and they worked out a plan. And she tricked, helped Jacob trick Isaac into thinking that he was passing the blessing on to Esau. She put camel's hair on his hand because Esau is a hairy guy, and she knew that Isaac would want to hold his hand and pass on that right, that passage right, and the right of the ownership of the family. And so she put a little camel hair on, on uh, Jacob's hand and, and said, just go in there and speak quietly. And Isaac was kind of, he said, something ain't right here, something a little weird. But ultimately, he went ahead and passed that blessing. Esau was out in the field hunting, and he comes back, and he finds out what had been done to him. He's very angry. J- Jacob runs off into the, into the wilderness, and he's fearful of his brother, As the story comes out, God meets him in the wilderness in the form of an angel, wrestles with him, changes his name to Israel, said you'll be the father of many nations. Rebecca was the mother of a king and a prophet. She was the mother of God's nation, if you look at it that way. Not a king, excuse me, I misspoke. Now we look at another mother, Pastor Rob mentioned this morning, Jochebed. You may not know that name, maybe you do. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. And during the time that Jochebed had delivered Moses as a baby, there was a ruling in, in, in the land in Egypt at the time that the Pharaoh said that all the firstborn or all the male-born babies in Egypt had to be killed. You could let your daughters live, but you had to kill your son. And as the story goes, Jochebed was protecting Moses and kept him safe, but she realized that she had to, she had to release him and try to protect him, and she packed him in the little thing, if you saw the Disney version of of Moses, you know, she packed him in the little thing, you know, packed it all up in straw, and she floated him out in the river, and the Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, took him into her household, and in the way that God works, the amazing, imagine the pain. Moms, can you relate to the pain of having to put your baby in a little boat and float him out in the river in faith? How about every day that you stand at the bus stop with that precious little one? And you watch them step up the stairs into that big yellow machine, knowing that they're heading off into Egypt to be taught by the Egyptians, to be raised in in worldliness. Now you can imagine what Jochebed was feeling. But as God worked it out, she actually became his nursemaid. Through a course of events, Jochebed actually got to be the woman who nursed and raised Moses to a certain point. Pharaoh's daughter literally selected her out and through a course of events in scripture, she got to be the one who raised him. How about that? That's God's grace. And what I want to say to you through that is no matter what you're feeling as you're releasing them and knowing that they're slowly getting exposed to the world, that there's just no way to keep their innocence complete. It's just not going to happen. Understand that God's grace is always watching over them. And you'll still get to be the mother that nurses them and raises them and teaches them. See, I know during the course of time our children went to public school. And if you're if you're a homeschooling mom and a a, or a private schooling mom, man, that's awesome. 
we honor you today too. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. But you know what? Eventually, unless you're a homeschooling collegiate mom and you want your children to go to college, sometime they're going to have to go somewhere where they're not taught under your specific teaching, right? But that's okay because every day that we sent our kids off to public school, we came back and we worked with them and we taught them the word of God and they would come and they would say, hey, my teacher said this at school today. What does it say, about the, what does it say in the Bible about that? And so we would teach them and we would armor them and, and let them know, here are things that you're gonna hear. Here are things that do not agree with the word of God. Here is what you need to know. And we built those principles. We got called into the school one day because Kyle, the guy that was up here doing the announcements a moment ago, used to fight with his teacher and read her scripture and tell her why she was telling him was wrong. She called us in one time to a, to a, a parent-teacher meeting and said, you know, your son's always arguing with me about things I'm trying to teach in school. And I said, ma'am, it's because you're trying to teach him that he must agree with you that evolution is right. We do not believe that, and my son is not going to agree with you on that. You remember that? (laughs) But see, she had that opportunity. But another great mother that I I love to talk about is is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. You can turn to that section if you want. I'm going to skim through it for sake of time. But it's 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 through 18 is where these scriptures exist. And in this chapter section, it talks about a man named Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. Okay, already there's a problem. (laughs) But he had two wives. One of them was named Peninnah and the other one was named Hannah. And Hannah was barren. She couldn't couldn't have children. And and so Peninnah actually used to make fun of her. He mocked her and, and really hurt her. Now, ladies that can't have children, that's why I wanted to be very, very sensitive at the beginning of this. I don't want to just assume that Mother's Day is all about because you had a baby. Because some women can't do that. Some women choose not to. They just say, nope, I never want to be a mom. So we have to be sensitive to that. Because I'm going to get to the part here shortly that tells you why just because you didn't have a baby does not mean you're not a great mom. A mom like you is what we're looking for. A mom like you is what we need today. Okay? So... Hannah, very godly woman, very in tune to, to, to God and a prayerful woman, goes into the temple. By the way, she, goes, she talks to Elkanah about this, and Elkanah basically says, what, I'm not good enough for you? you? Can't you just deal with, just work with me? Okay, now every one of you in the room that's a woman probably can relate to the idea, no, <laughs> you're not enough. <laughs> There's something within me that drives me that says, I want to have a baby. I want to conceive a child. I want to be a mom, right? It's built within us. And so Elkanah didn't understand that. Guys, we're just dumb cavemen. We got to stop saying stuff like that. But Hannah goes to the temple and she prays and she's, she prays bitterly for this. And she's weeping and she's speaking. She's not putting any voice behind her words. And Eli, the, the priest there, who's not a godly man very much at all, he's very, very much not in tune with God, didn't turn out really good. Eli starts yelling at her, mocking her, and saying she's drunk and all this kind of stuff. It makes her feel really bad. And, uh, and she stays with God, and she continues to, to talk to God and begins to, to, to talk, talk to God. If God, if you give me a baby, I'll dedicate him to you. I'll give him to you, God. I'll turn him over to you, she says, after weaning and everything. And she makes this promise to God. And during the course of this time, And if you get to verse 11, if you're reading through, in the course of this time, she literally produces to God or gives to God what's called a Nazarite vow. You guys remember Samson, the guy with the long hair, 
ended up killing all the Philistines by tearing down the Colosseum. His strength was in his hair, and, and, and it's a, it was a very specific vow. Uh, there were many things that go with it, and you can read it starting in verse 11, but things that she would do, but it doesn't say the Nazarite vow there, but if you go to Numbers chapter 6, Numbers chapter 6 actually extols the actual Nazarite vow, and it's exactly what Hannah is. She knows the law. She knows the word, and so she's, she's literally offering him her child, if God gives it to her, vowing the Nazarite vow for him. Now, Nazarite means separated or consecrated, okay? Ladies that are having children or about to have children or want to have children, I want to stress to you, I want to really impress upon you, consider a Nazarite vow for your child. Maybe not exactly what scripture says. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to let your, let your child's hair grow to the floor. As a matter of fact, that was old culture. That was old law. That was specifically for them. But what I'm talking about is the consecration, the separation, the dedication to God. Determine that everything that you can do with your child, you're going to separate them from this world. You're going to do what you can to consecrate them away from worldly ways. What am I talking about? How can they be out of the world? How can they possibly be separated? I'm talking about up here and in here. The things that we tried to do as best we could with our children, and many of you are doing right now, building with them with the things that, that, that help them not have the taste for worldliness, that they don't want to dive in and indulge in the things that the world is doing. Mentally, within their mind, loving God, dedicated to the word, attending church, doing the things that are pleasing to God according to the word. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what she did. And so... She lends him to the Lord, it says in verse 19. She spiritually gives him to God. Well, if you know who Samuel is, or if you don't know who Samuel is, Samuel ended up becoming one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. He anointed the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David. He defeated the Philistines. He went into great battles and did tremendous works for God. Hannah was the mother awesome prophet. But see, I believe that a mom like you can be the mom of an awesome prophet. We look at our children and what they're dealing with today. Look what they're dealing with, my goodness. The things that we struggle with with them. How it must hurt moms. How it must vex mothers that see what what's being spewed out through television and the movies and the videos and, and, and the media and the dress that these companies are coming up with that are trying to teach them how to dress in, in ways that are just so inappropriate and, and the language that they're taught, the complete lack of humility and, and, and just the world wants to take a hold of them and, and twist them and turn them into this view. That's not scriptural, it's not godly and it's not healthy. And I think about the moms that have to watch their little ones go off to school and go off to, to high school and then go off to college dealing with those things. But I'm here to encourage you today that with a dedication like Hannah and a godliness like Rebecca and, and, and just a, an in-tune look at what God wants to do through you, you can guard them against this. You can be a prophet maker a king anointer, the mother of a minister, the mother of someone who helps people and loves people. We need more of that. We need more moms just like you. 
It's very challenging in the world today. And I, and I know, and I understand, I'm going to share with you, I understand that the views of, of women in the household and, and, and the role of the wife in the Bible seems old-fashioned. I get that knock once in a while. And as a matter of fact, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and 14, this is exactly the type of thing. There were virtues, there were principles in the Word of God that, that identified the role of the mother or women in the Bible that seem today very, very old-fashioned. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. It says this. I will therefore, this is Paul writing to Timothy, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Well, that sounds really old-fashioned. But we know today, we know that culture changes, we know that things change, we know that there are women outside the home. Believe me, this is not the stance exclusively of the church. If you have the ability to do that, and this is the, the drive that you would like to be, and, and you don't want to work outside the home and be tr- traditionally biblical, that's awesome and wonderful, and if you can do it, I think that's terrific. Unfortunately, society, we know that society has made it extremely difficult for the old Ward Cleaver deal where you buy the beautiful house and the one car and mom stays home and vacuums in her pearls and dad goes off and makes enough money to raise all the kids and send them to college and, and away we go. This is not reality any longer. So now we, we, have, we certainly have women in roles of authority. We have women who are police officers. We have women in the military. Women that are teachers and professors and instructors and doctors and attorneys and lawyers. And we should. That's how culture has changed. We should expect that. But what I think has happened and what I want to say to you today with all of the challenges that we face and the pull and the push, do you know that, that surveys were done in the mid-2000s by a, col- a consortium of women's magazines asking them about the great promise that they were given in the women's liberation movement? You know, that promise that said, woman, you can have it all. You can have the career and you can have the home and the husband and the child and the car and the vacations. You can have it all. It's all possible. And they said, yeah, that's what I want. We got to do that. And do you know that they did surveys with women in this country and said, how'd that work out for you? And the women came back and said, we're stressed and we're pained and we're suffering and I can't spend enough time with the kids or I can't spend enough time with the job or I can't spend enough time with my husband and I'm flustered and I'm, I'm fussing and I'm stressed out to the max. Some women in this survey said we were told a lie. It's not possible to have it all and be totally happy. So they, you have, you're, you, it's now forced upon you. Society has created this, the equality thing and all the stuff with, with wages and all those things are all fine and good, except the women are all standing now going, wait a minute, this was, this was not right. And so now we have to work through that together as families because it is good. My, my wife was a registered nurse. She works hard. She's fantastic. She's been a terrific mother, but I know she's been exhausted. There's times when trying to spend time with me and the kids and do good with her job is very, very difficult. You have a tremendous burden on your shoulders now. And it makes it very difficult, but here's where the world got it wrong. The cultural society decided what a great thing. Women need to have more authority. We need to be getting involved. You can't stop us from being police officers. You can't stop us from being in the military. You can't stop us from doing these things. That's not right. We need equality. I'm okay with all of that. I have not a problem whatsoever with a woman police officer or a woman military person or all that. I don't look at it as woman or man. I look at it as you're the doctor or you're the police officer. That's it. But here's where they got it wrong. That authority 
that was sold to our moms was subjugated, subjugating the authority that God gave you through the word of God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that no authority that man could ever give you in a role or a title or a job will ever supersede the power and the authority that is eternal and effective and powerful in the kingdom of God that God gave you through his word. That's what I'm here to say to you today. Your role is not negated because you didn't have a child. You're a woman in the kingdom of God. And you're powerful in prayer and support and teaching and ministering. There's examples throughout the word of God where God used Priscilla and Ruth and Rahab and awesome women of God. But see, the world wants to tell you you only draw your identity. You only draw your power and your authority from a role and a title that says you have it over someone. Police officer, woman, if you're a Christian, your power and your authority far exceeds the gun and the badge that you wear in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm here to tell you today, if we can learn more about flipping the card, about turning over what society has told us and grab a hold of that authority and that anointing that you have, that anointing and prayer that Rebecca had, that anointing that Hannah had as she stood there, sat there at the altar praying for God for a child and he heard her and he said, not only am I going to give you a child, but I'm going to give you a child that's going to anoint the kings of Israel. See what the world offers you in your power, this little bit of peace and this and that. You got to fight and scratch and claw. I'm just using police officers as an example because it's, it's an easy go-to of authority example. But what I'm saying to you is this, what the world offers you in terms of their little piece of authority, their little piece of command, I get to be a CEO now and I'm going to make the same money as that other guy. Fine, I don't care. But that even goes just so far. It's capped. It's contained. If you're the CEO of Target and you walk over to Walmart and say, hey, I need you to start changing things in here, the guy at Walmart's going to go, who are you? But I'm telling you what, moms, listen to me now. Hear me now. But I'm telling you, when you approach the throne of grace and you take on that anointing in prayer and you live a godly life dedicated to what God has given you to do and you start lifting your hands up and you take on that identity, I'm telling you, you can walk into Walmart and Target and every other store in the world and command power and authority that really matters, really matters in raising up the church, raising up your children, raising up really matters in this world because right now the forces of the enemy are trying to tear it down. The forces of the enemy want to see your child die. The enemy wants your child addicted to pornography and to drugs and to alcohol and to bad behavior. You think being a police officer is going to stop that? I know police officers whose children have gone to drug rehab. I know people in authority who thought this could never happen to me. Because they were in a place of power and position in this world. Hannah had nothing. She was nobody. Rebecca was nobody. She was the wife of Isaac. Whoop-de-doo. Her job was to cook and to clean and provide for him. But God looked down on these women and said, here's a godly woman who's willing to submit herself to my word. And he anointed them to be kingmakers, 
to be prophet makers, to be king anointers. You see what I'm saying, folks? And you can stand this morning. I'm wrapping up. But you see what I'm telling you today, moms? You're more than just a mom. You're more than just a role that you play in the secular society. You have power and anointing and might. If you get a hold of the word of God, if you get a hold of the word of God and take hold of what's really yours, any piddly thing that this world can offer you pales in comparison by far to what Jesus Christ can offer you if you just get a hold of it. No more are you to be beat down. Let them do stuff with your jobs. Let them do stuff with, with all this infighting and everything about equality and all that nonsense that's going on. Because you know what? Godly women who know where their priorities stand in, an, in honoring God Sacrificing in prayer for their children, supporting their husbands, working hard in their jobs, teaching their children the Nazarite vow, raising them upright. They don't need some corporation or some position to lift and raise them up. God raises up and God sets down. If you desire to be the CEO of the corporation you work at, Ain't nothing to do with anybody in the ranks, some man that's holding you down, all this stuff that the world talks about. God is the head of you and the head of that situation. So moms, I encourage you today. I hope I planted a seed. I hope I built an identity, at least the beginning of something that says, now wait a minute. There is something greater about this. I'm not going to be defined by this world anymore. I'm not going to worry about the strife and the struggles of all this stuff. Because if I get a hold of God, I get a hold of God, he's going to allow me to be powerful and have authority and have strength and might and do great things in his kingdom. In just a moment, I'm going to open up our altar. This is traditional in our church. We have the altar up here. We always invite the family to come down. Why? Because it's, it's an opportunity to commune with God. It's an opportunity to get an extra special touch. And if you'd like, we'd even pray for you. We pray with you. If something sparked in you today, what you heard in this message, and you're saying, I want a piece of this, we'll pray with you. There's lots of great ladies. Can I get a hand of all the awesome ladies in this church, members that are here that understand what I'm talking about and are willing to pray at this altar this morning? All the moms, all the ladies, non-moms, soon-to-be moms. I'm going to invite you down, and if you want to come be a part of it and just worship and praise, I encourage you to do so. And I want you to know that if you're here because you're here with a loved one, family member, we consider you family too. We love you. And we believe that you are a wonderful, powerful person in the kingdom of God. In the word of God, you have more value than anything that this life could ever offer you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're so thankful, God, for our moms today. We're thankful, God, for godly women, powerful, anointed, who are willing to pray and worship dedicate their children to you, Lord. These women that suffer in the world and the strife that goes on out there, all the mixed up things that happen back and forth, all the mixed signals and the messages, and they're trying to... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 262- 965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.